Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 104 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Ezra chapter 1 today, and our focus is on how God uses unbelievers to further his kingdom. And we're talking about the heavyweight theological concepts of providence and sovereignty. Welcome to new listeners from New South Wales, Australia, Odisha, India, Maharashtra, India, Ontario, Canada, Salinas, California, Houston, Texas, and Peoria, Illinois. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. Thank you for sharing the show with your friends and neighbors. Please do check out our website, Bible2021.com. As I've mentioned before, we read five New Testament and two Old Testament chapters per day, which lets us read about 104 total Old Testament chapters for the year. For the most part, I've tried to choose Old Testament chapters that either teach a deep and important truth or chapters that outline a significant historical event. And towards the end of the year, we're going to be doing all Psalms all the time. Today's chapter has both the important historical event and a really, really deep, important truth. But neither of those things are going to be immediately obvious. Our family tries to read one chapter of the Bible together every night, and we usually follow along with the Bible 2021 reading plan. And tonight, after reading Ezra 1, I did get a few blank stares and raised eyebrows that seemed to be saying, Dad, why did you read that passage? What's it all about? What's the spiritual significance? Well, they're good questions. In Ezra 1, we are going to see how God is bringing his people out of decades of exile in Babylon and returning them to the promised land, which is a massively important historical event in the history of Israel. Spiritually speaking, we're going to see a glimpse at how God orchestrates that return by first storing up the spirit of a pagan, a non-believer in Cyrus. So let's read the chapter. It's very short. And then we're going to discuss the deep truths that are hiding there beneath the surface. Ezra chapter 1 verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and to put it in writing. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says, The Lord, the God of the heavens, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build him a house at Jerusalem in Judah. Any of his people among you, may his God be with him, and may he go to Jerusalem in Judah and build the house of the Lord the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. Let every survivor, wherever he resides, be assisted by the men of that region with silver, gold, goods, and livestock, along with a free will offering for the house of God in Jerusalem. So the family heads of Judah and Benjamin, along with the priests and Levites, everyone whose spirit God had roused, prepared to go up and rebuild the Lord's house in Jerusalem. All their neighbors supported them with silver articles, gold, goods, livestock, and valuables. In addition to all that was given as a free will offering, King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and had placed in the house of his gods. King Cyrus of Persia had them brought out under the supervision of Mithridath, the treasurer, who counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. This was the inventory. 30 gold basins, 1,000 silver basins, 29 silver knives, 30 gold bowls, 410 various silver bowls, and 1,000 other articles. The gold and silver articles totaled 5,400. Sheshbazar brought all of them when the exiles went up from Babylon to Jerusalem. 
So our verse of the day that hides or includes our deep theological truth is the very first verse, which says, In the first year of King Cyrus of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken through Jeremiah, the Lord roused the spirit of King Cyrus to issue a proclamation throughout his entire kingdom and put it in writing. God made a promise to and through the prophet Jeremiah, and in order to bring that promise to pass, God moved providentially and sovereignly on the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia, who was a likely worshiper of Ahura Mazda, the Persian chief deity. What we see here is an example of God's sovereignty and his providence, two massive and deep aspects of God and theological truths that are core to how the Bible describes the actions and power of God in the Bible. Now, sovereignty is normally defined as something like supreme power or authority, and providence can be defined, as is in the Oxford English Dictionary, the foreknowing and beneficent care and government of God, divine direction, control, or guidance. John Piper, having just written a 500-plus page book on the providence of God, recently gave a fairly succinct understanding of the difference between providence and sovereignty on his podcast, Ask Pastor John. He says, First, by providence, I mean God's purposeful sovereignty. Purposeful sovereignty. In other words, the difference between God's sovereignty and God's providence is that his sovereignty is his right and power to do all that he pleases. His providence is the exercise of that right and power purposefully. Providence is God's use of his power and his authority to bring about an ultimate purpose for the universe that cannot fail. I find first uh, Philippians 2:13, Ephesians 1:11 and 12 and Romans 8:28 to be very powerful and short summaries of this kind of providence and sovereignty working in our lives. Philippians 2:13 says, "For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose." Ephesians 1:11 through 12 says, In him, we also have an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Romans 8.28, of course, says, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So God has a purpose and he is working in his people, even those who don't follow him to work that purpose out. So in commenting on God's providence, particularly as it's seen in Ephesians 1, 11 through 12, Tim Keller, pastor in New York City, tells us a story that is a great illustration of God's providence. And here it is. He says, God controls history. He's getting us to the place where Jesus is king of all, but how does he control history? The passage we have here says he works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That's Ephesians 1.11. I would like to meditate with you on that a minute and show you how this doctrine historically has been called the doctrine of God's providence. The word providence comes from is the comes from the word provide, which means that everything that happens is God's provision. This doctrine is unique, says Keller. It's different than humanism. It's different than secularism. It's different from Islam, Buddhism, and Eastern religions, and it's tied up in the word everything. 
If you understand this word everything in regards to the doctrine of providence, it'll change your attitude. If you understand how God is exercising his kingship through providence, if you understand that everything, literally, says Romans 8.28, everything works together according to the counsel of his will, the purpose of his will, it will change the way you live. First, what does the word everything mean? Well, it means three things. First of all, and the one we're going to focus on today, God's plan includes little things. It has to. Most of us don't think this way, but everything includes little things. It says in Proverbs 16, the lot is cast in the lap, but the disposal is the Lord's. This means that when you flip a coin, if it comes down heads or it comes down tails, it was part of his plan. Nothing is left out of his plan. People might say, come on, nothing. Are you telling me that the tie that I'm wearing today was part of God's plan from all eternity. Are you trying to tell me the shoes I decided to wear today were part of God's plan? Little things like that. Well, they're only little things to you and me because we're so unwise, says Keller. There are no little things. In 1912, somebody tried to shoot United States President Teddy Roosevelt, and they did. They shot him right in the chest. Do you know why he lived? And by the way, why he continued speaking his speech that day? because he happened to have his glasses case on this side of his chest where he was shot instead of the other side. Your marriages, your careers, what school you go to, very often are based on so-called little things. Let me give you a quick example, says Keller, and here's his example of providence working in the little things. He says, the reason I'm a Presbyterian minister was because of a particular teacher that came to my seminary my last semester and pushed me over the edge when it came to my theological understanding. I listened to him and said, I think I need to be a Presbyterian. That's why I'm here today. Why did that man come? The only reason he came that year was he was British and he was having a lot of trouble getting a passport to come and teach at my seminary in Massachusetts, but somebody pulled strings for him from real high up. One day, somebody came looking out for him, calling his name out. Somebody came out when he was standing in the long line, trying, having tried again and again to get a passport, and said, you're going to be in America within a week. We got word from real high up. Well, do you know who that was? It was a guy named Mike Ford. Mike Ford was the son of the president at the time. Mike Ford was the son of President Gerald Ford. He was a student at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, where I was. He found a way to get this particular faculty member to Gordon-Conwell because his father was the president. Do you know why his father was the president? Why Mike Ford's father was the president? Because of the Watergate scandal. Nixon had resigned and Gerald Ford was the president. That's why Mike Ford had the clout to get this guy over here. That's the reason why he was here. That's the reason why I became a Presbyterian. That's the reason, says Keller, why I'm talking to you right now. Why did Nixon fall and Ford become president? Because some stupid Watergate burglar left an office door open one night and a guard noticed the door was open. Now, what if that guard hadn't gone for the day? Maybe he went by the day, that day because that morning he didn't eat breakfast and he got in a little bit earlier. Do you see? Tim Keller says, I wouldn't be here if that guard hadn't seen that door open. That's the way everything in your life is. And friends, I know that is mind-blowing, but that's what the Word of God says. Again, I'll quote Romans eight twenty-eight for us. We know that, how many things? All Things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Ephesians 1.11 speaks of the plan of God who works out 
everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So God has a plan, that plan is working, that plan is detailed. Amen to that. Let us close today with our wonderful memory verse for the month of April, James chapter 4, verse 6, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Good day, friends, and Godspeed.